well, let me be the first to offend you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I said it. I just said it. Mary, can you believe it? In a church. Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm going to ask us to do something. I, I didn't plan it until this last service. Um, how many, I don't know how things were. I, I've been here maybe I'm about 10 years. I don't know how it was before, um, but how many grew up in maybe a different church where you stood for the reading of God's word? Maybe they would make you stand, they would read it and say, who did that? Okay, it was just during that the special music that we had and it just thought, man, this is kind of the, the gist of the message. Um, but I didn't, have, I didn't have it in my, in my mind to read this part out of Philippians because you don't think in Philippians is a Christmas story. Uh, you think that's just the letter of joy. That's Paul's letter to a church in Philippi while he's in prison. You get all those little facts, but just stop. And we just got to stop and just read it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something. And if you didn't grow up in a tradition like this, don't worry. It's not like we're all going to a seance or anything. It's just something we're going to do together, just as respecting God's word. And then after that, I'll pray if you'll stay standing. And then after that, you guys can have a seat. And then you can jump on your phones and text and check sports scores. And just like Pastor Glenn invited you to, okay? So if you could do me a favor, if you would, if you would stand up for the reading of God's word. That would be great. Philippians chapter two, starting verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Jesus, I give you thanks. We thank you. We stand in honor of you, in respect of you. And what it is that you've given us in your word, but ultimately of you. God, Christmas is really pointless when you're not part of it. Actually, I'll reword that. Jesus, Christmas is pointless when you're not it. It just doesn't make sense. And so, God, I pray as we try to take a concept that maybe we don't think about all that often. We try to take a concept that is so far beyond our ability to get. God, I pray that our excitement about Christmas and you coming for us is renewed. Not so that we enjoy the season more, but that we're obedient to the call you've put on our lives to reach people that don't know you. We thank you that you came for us when we couldn't get to you. So God, I pray that you would bless our time. God, I pray you'd keep my opinions and my agenda to myself. God, we only want your truth and anything that is not of you. Give us spiritual amnesia before we hit the cars. God, we pray that you would teach us as only you can. We pray this in your name and everyone who agrees says, amen. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate you standing. For those of you that are parents in the room, remember what, you were, what life was like before kids? Like you had money? <laughs> Maybe. Um, you didn't have to load up your house when you go to the grocery store. It's like, oh, I got to go to the grocery store. And so you take a U-Haul. And if you're going to go for a weekend, it's like you just, just, just live in a mobile home. Just drive it there back and forth. That's all you got to do. It's like, it's just, everything changes. Maybe before kids came, you, you just kind of, let's go somewhere. And you just jump in the car. There's no extra baggage or luggage and everything. There's 
Like you can see the seats and you can see the floor. And then that baby comes and wow, everything changes. I remember walking out of the hospital the first, like we're, going, we're leaving with Tyler. And I kept looking around going, nobody's coming. I don't know what to do with this thing. So I begged my nurse, why don't you come, come live with us? Come, come, because I like when the baby cries, you just come in. And then you just, she always says, it's a pleasure. And I'm like, I love that. Because I can't say it every time I had to wake up, I'm going, Tyler, it's just a pleasure to change your diaper right now. Wow, this is great. But it does, nothing changes you, right? It's not, I mean, it sounds like it's all bad. It's unbelievable. I mean, my driving, my driving habits changed. Well, at least for like a week. But like on the way home from the hospital, <laughs> on the way from, I'm, I'm driving the, the speed limit. Who would have thought? Driving the speed limit and then having cars legally change lanes in front of me and like honking my horn. I got a kid in the car. Getting angry over, I'm, I'm so protective of this little person who has done nothing for me. I mean, hasn't spoken to me. In fact, talk, said mama before daddy. I always have that as a bummer. But like, oh, like nothing, there's, 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 no, there's been no reciprocation in relationship. It's just there. Isn't it weird you die for that thing in, in a heartbeat? It's weird how baby changes everything. Guys, think about Christmas without Christ involved in it. And again, what is it? We sing about songs of winter and snow. And how much snow is fun? We talk about getting in a sleigh and going on a sleigh ride while it's snowing around us. We talk about frosting. We sing about Santa who's, you know, he's based on a Jesus character. But we talk about Santa and there's Santa. He brings gifts and I love that. But like, what's the point? I'm guessing that those who actually live in snow have a whole different outlook on that idea of singing glad tidings about snow. But that's in Southern California. We had our version of snow on Friday. It's called rain. So God gave us a winter wonderland on Friday for come celebrate Christmas in Bethlehem Marketplace. We enjoyed it. I didn't see anybody arriving going, I just wanted to sing the praises of rain. What's the point of Christmas if Christ isn't involved? It makes no sense. You give gifts to each other for what purpose? It's not connected to anything other than you feel obligated and guilty, and so you spend a whole lot of your bank account on people that most you don't even like. And the ones that are laughing know what I'm talking about. So it's like, what's the point? But for those of us that love Jesus, a baby changed everything. I mean, think about it. the baby changed everything. We pick up in Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 22, it says this, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, now this was Mary having to to present a sacrifice because there was this purification after childbirth that was in the law that, okay, if a mom had had a boy, it was 40 days after the birth. If if she had a girl, then it was 80 days after the birth. And I don't know why I said this at the last service, and I saw some woman in the the crowd kind of get like this look. I'm not trying to be political. I'm not saying that girls are more dirty. I'm just saying that that's what it was. And so at least 40 days after Jesus' birth, here comes Mary and Joseph to present the sacrifice that she has to present because the purification after childbirth. And they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And the part that got me in that verse was this. They brought him. 
You say, well, well that's no big deal. It just, that's just the verb. That's what they did. They brought him. The God of the universe had to be carried as a baby because he came for us. I just sat there and went, my goodness, the one who is in charge of everything made himself helpless and trusted himself to two of his creation to take care of and provide for him. They had to bring him to the temple, the representation of the very presence of God. And wasn't that fulfilled in the coming of the God child? When he came into that place, the very presence of God was there and most did not even know. To be wrapped in tradition and ceremony and realize this sacrifice has to be presented for this and this and this. And here is Mary holding Jesus who is God in the flesh. That temple was filled with the presence of God. But that God had to be brought in. Isn't we read in the Philippians that he humbled himself. He take the form of a servant. And in that moment he had to be served. Completely served. He was helpless. So they brought him into the temple. As it is written. Verse 23. In the law of the Lord. Every male who, opens first, who first opens the womb. Shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. Now, when you read the law, what it says is this. It has to be a lamb and then a pigeon. But if you can't afford a lamb, if you're poor, then you bring in two pigeons or two turtle doves. This is one of those verses that points to us that when Jesus decided to invade the planet, he didn't pick a place of royalty. He didn't pick a family with a lot. He lived in poverty. He knew what it was like to be poor. His parents were poor. And yet his parents still follow to what it is that God said. We can't afford the lamb and so we will spend the money that's necessary for the two pigeons to present what is necessary, what God has required of us. So yeah, they don't have a lot, but man, they're righteous. They live righteous lives. They're there presenting a sacrifice. And again, let this sink in. The sacrifice is presented, but all those sacrifices in the Old Testament and in this time that we're looking are pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross. All those sacrifices point to Christ taking a cross for us, taking the wrath of God for us. So just think of the irony in this picture that they're presenting the sacrifice and here is this God being held in his mama's arms who is the ultimate fulfillment of those sacrifices. Goodness gracious, this, is, this should be mind-blowing. We're just sitting there and go, are you kidding me? It's amazing how things change when we try to look at them from heaven's perspective. And again, most of the people that are in the room aren't even noticing that God has arrived. Just this little couple carrying their little baby. This is not Abnormal. This is a normal situation. This doesn't look any different. And then it all changes because of verse 25. The first word says now. This is normal. This is what everyone does now. Uh Uh-oh, something's changing now. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Of Israel, waiting for the comfort that's to come to Israel. That phrase, the consolation of Israel, is the pointing of this Messiah that is coming. And so it's, it, there's, there's verses in the, in the Old Testament that talk about the coming of the consolation of Israel. And so he's just sitting there waiting for the hope that's supposed to come. 
He's just waiting. He's a righteous man. He's committed. He's devout. And he's waiting for this consolation. And then this next part should get us. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And this is a big deal. I know that today we don't get it. It doesn't really kind of register with us because we live in the New Testament era where when we surrender to Christ, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes into us, resides in us, lives in us, moving, uh, counseling, convicting, encouraging, whatever's necessary to help us in our walk with Jesus because we can't do it without God. But in this time, the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen on anyone yet, except for specific purposes. Acts chapter two is the Holy Spirit coming up on believers, but this is not that time. So for us to read that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, this is a specific reason. The Spirit of God would come upon people in the Old Testament, only specific people for specific purposes. That's it. And so here's Simeon who has the Holy Spirit upon him. He's waiting to see the consolation of Israel, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Man, can you imagine how he lived his life? It doesn't say how long he'd been waiting. I'll be honest, when I looked at this passage, I thought he was old. It never, it never says he's old. I picture he's sitting there, he's, no, I'm not going to give an age because someone will get offended. So you're that old, and uh, he's super old, and so he's just been waiting, so he's been showing so much patience, but could it be, he's not, maybe he's not that old. Who cares about the age, but can you imagine him waking up going, is it today? Is it today? And we wake up going, stop it, turn the alarm clock off and go back to bed, because I've got eight more minutes. I got eight more minutes and snooze will wake me up and take me off again and boom, and back to it. This is anything but routine. And guys, isn't it so easy for us to just jump back into the routine? I mean, even think about Christmas, certain days mean certain things and you do certain things on those days to get ready for Christmas. And all of a sudden, as you get closer, you realize, I'm talking to the men here, oh crud, I forgot to buy something for my wife. So you gotta go do that on Christmas Eve at 11.59, made it in time so you're not waiting till Christmas day. So you can say that you're a good husband. You go through just me. So you go through the motions, make sure it's all put together. So when the family comes together, everything's in line. All, the table's set, the, the, the meal is perfect. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of the busy, we forget about the reason for why it is that we do all of this anyways. And then once it's over, the 26th looks nothing like the 24th. Isn't that weird? I mean, at the end of Christmas, don't you just sit there and go, well, that's over. Back to the routine. I mean, one day we threw a huge, I mean, this is a worldwide birthday party for a savior. And we've all jumped in and the 25th, we're going for it. And then the 26th comes back in and what happens? Unless it falls on a weekend and for some of you still have to go back to work. We jump back in the routine of what I need to get done and what I'm about and what I have to do. And we forgot the whole reason of our existence. What would happen if we woke up every day going, is it today? God, is today the day? Now, if I bring up an idea that maybe what if today is the day we get to see Jesus through death or his revelation or 
What if he comes back today? And I know some, some who are so passionate about end times and it's weird that we'll argue about the things that have been argued over the centuries thinking that we found the secret. Man, maybe God's sitting there going, you have no clue, just do what I told you to do. Let me handle how it all works out. But what if today's the day where somebody's sitting there going, oh, I pray it's now so, so Brent will stop preaching. So it's like, maybe it's today we get to meet him. Do I wake up with that? I'm talking about myself and apply it to you if you need to. Do I wake up thinking today could be the day? Is there anticipation? I might get to see Jesus. Or we welcome back the routine. And then maybe even for some, Christmas is the routine. I look at Simeon and I'm thinking, what would I have done if God revealed to me, if I was him, that before I died, I would get to see the Messiah? How would things look? How would things be different? Now apply it to you. How would things look different for you if this was applied to you? That before you die, you will see God do what you never imagined in your life he could do. Would you wake up every day going, God, is it today? Is it today? Would we jump back into being four or five where we look at our parents and go, is it time yet? No, it's only December 6th. What? How many days is that? And then they always make you do the math because they want you to get smarter. I'm like, just tell me. I know I'll learn it one day. How many days? How many days? Is it today? Is it today? And then the 24th, they go to bed. They can barely go to bed. And the 25th, they wake up at like 1.30. They're like, you gotta get up now. The joys of Christmas. What would happen if we actually had the hearts of little kids and said, is it today, God? Is it today? Do, do I get to see you do that thing today? Or have we been so overcome and so defeated that we really don't believe that God can do it anymore? Now, we would never openly admit that. We may not verbalize that, but by our lives, aren't we saying that at times? Oh, God could do anything. Just don't ask me to tell you what it is that he's done for me. But he can do anything. I kept, I, I kept looking at that passage going, God, am I living with this holy anticipation of seeing you do the impossible? I mean, you said, I go, whoa, it's so impossible about this. God who measures the universe with the span of his hand fit himself inside the body of a baby. That's pretty impossible. Isn't Christmas the constant reminder that God's hobby is the impossible? Isn't that just this constant reminder that God's going, if I can do this, I can take care of that. I mean, isn't the cross the constant reminder of the love of God and the, and the wrath of God colliding because of the grace of God saying, I love you this much that I'll do this. Isn't that what the purpose of the cross is? To reconcile us to God, but it's this constant reminder of the extravagant and crazy, out of mind love that God has for us. So they go, Brian, that's, that's the cross. That's the wrong holiday. You can't have, guys, you can't have the manger without the cross. The whole purpose of the manger, the whole purpose of Christ's coming was to reconcile us to God. 
Here's Simeon, who's a righteous, devout man, just waiting, told that he wouldn't die until he got to see the Messiah in verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to, to do for him according to the custom of the law. Now, what is that? What are they going to do to him? Now, he already been circumcised, so it's not that. There was this thing that was known as the redemption of the firstborn that some 31 days or so after the baby's born, the parents would go in and pay five shekels as this, as this, as this picture of buying back the firstborn. And so they're doing that. So as she's offering her, her two pigeons, they're also paying five shekels to redeem the firstborn. And so that's what they're doing for him. And he took, this is Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your what? What's the word? Salvation. And it's one thing for him to say, I want to see the consolation of Israel. I want to see the comfort that's promised to the people of Israel. Let me see it. And God says, absolutely, you'll see it before you die. Then he sees Jesus as a baby and says, my eyes have seen your salvation. You realize there is so much that comes with this salvation. But part of it, you know what it is? This consolation. This hope. Can you imagine Simeon's eyes just welling up with tears as he's holding this baby? He says, oh, now that I've seen it, I can die in peace. I've seen him. You promised this to me and you fulfilled your promise. Because my eyes, I'm looking upon this salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. Now catch who it's for, verse 32. A light for, the, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. From the very beginning, who is he declaring salvation is for? All of us. Unless you're 100% Jewish in the room, you are a Gentile. So even in this moment where Jesus is sitting there as a baby, he's just not sitting, he's just laying there as a baby. There's this prophecy that's being spoken that Simeon is just speaking, saying, this is the salvation. And this is not just for one person or one people group, but it's a light to the Gentiles. Oh, and this is the hope. Man, this is the glory of Israel. This is who we've been waiting for. He's so excited, and I'll watch the, res- the response of his parents and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. You know what that means? They were, they were just proud. Last night, I, I couldn't come to come celebrate Christmas because uh, the boys are taking piano. They're like a year and a half in. I'm telling you, they're the best piano players on the planet. I don't know if you know that. You don't know that because they haven't let you play. But I'm telling you, they're already making daddy millions. It's amazing. They're traveling the world. Just, I'm not just okay. They're a year and a half into it. The recital was two hours. I liked about five minutes of it. And then for an hour and 55 minutes, I just kept saying something like, God, come now. Now those of you sitting there going, you didn't care about those other children playing? No. I don't know them. I was just sitting there going, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Did you hear? They played Mary Had a Little Lamb. With their left hand. What? I just kept sitting there going, I am so done. I got so much work done on my phone. 
I was thankful the only row that was open was the back row. I said, thank you, God, because this is all I got. Five minutes, but for five minutes, what did I do? They called Dylan out. They always leave the front row right by the piano open. Guess who ran up to that? Boom. I had still camera picture duty. Kelly had video camera duty. She's doing video. I'm up right here. Here's Dylan. I'm, and I don't know why I had to get this close. I don't, I don't know why. I could have taken a picture from the back, but I'm like right here. Here's his head. I'm like, boom, boom. This isn't nerve wracking at all, I bet. I get under him. Yeah, this is the special shot. This is great. <laughs> he plays for two minutes and he did good. I mean, he was awesome. Everyone applauded. They stood up. They gave him a standing ovation. Please, ever. We don't want our kids to play. Let Dylan play. At least that's what I heard in my mind. So he's done. And all of a sudden I thought it was Tyler. So I'm all ready. They call some other kid. I'm like, what? And the, they interrupt by saying, um, we just need to let some other kids go in because I was just told that they really need to leave to go get some Christmas things done. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, why didn't we say that? Because <laughs> honestly, you can, you can apply that to anything at Christmas time. We can, hey, oh, I'm sorry, we have to leave early. So if we could go up toward the front, because we have to go get dinner. <laughs> and I don't want to be here. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> maybe don't say the, okay, don't judge me, those of you that are. The ones that are laughing have had kids in music, and you totally understand the agony called a recital. <laughs> Except when your kid get up there. So two or three go by, here comes Tyler, back to the front, oh, click, click, click. You're a tiger, show me. I'm going through the whole modeling thing. He's plays, I'm sitting there going, amazing. I sat back down and endured the next 45 minutes. But boy, when my boys were up there, oh, couldn't be more proud. When I sit there in maybe a teacher con- parent-teacher conference and I'm wondering, oh, what's going on? Please, God, I pray they're still taking after their mom. <laughs> in every area of life. And they are, and I sit there, and I'm not, as they're just saying these praises, so they're going, put all my buttons are I'm like, that's my voice, oh, that's amazing. That's all they're doing. So it's little, as Simeon's just holding this baby and just saying these words, Joseph and Mary just standing there, just taking it in, going, oh, wow. Now watch what he does. And Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary, his mother, doesn't say anything to Joseph. Why is that? I wonder if it's this because you ever noticed that we never see Joseph mentioned after age 12 in Jesus' life? It's very possible he died young. We don't see him at the cross where Mary is when Jesus is dying. So this maybe is just very specific for Mary because maybe Joseph won't be there and says this, Behold, this child is appointed for the what? The fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. That doesn't sound like the greatest child dedication I've ever heard. I mean, doesn't that just seem a little awkward? Can you imagine that's the way you pray? We just had a little dedication up here. Okay, I'm going to pray. Oh, God, I thank you that on this little one, some will love you and others will hate you. Happy day. What's he saying? He's saying, Mary, you got to get this. Many in Israel are going to come and be raised with him. They're going to be blown away by him. And others will fall away because of him. 
And you'll see opposition come because of Jesus. Because of this son that I'm holding, there will be opposition. And then watch, watch the words, the description that he uses here. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Oh. Guys, I know we look at Christmas and go, it's such a happy time. I think this is a reminder of two things. One, it's not happy for everyone. And two, this joy that we have in knowing Jesus, of having a relationship with God, came at a very painful cost. For as Jesus hung on that cross and his mother Mary was standing by, what do you think her heart was like? And Simeon says this to Mary, it's not because dads don't understand or can relate, but there is a difference you ever mess with somebody's kid, yes, dad, dad can get protected, but not like mom. Mama bear shows up, claws out, biting on your jugular. I'm just, bam, just right on your neck. You don't mess with mama bear. You don't mess with her cubs. Can you imagine as you're just taking it all in? Wow, my gosh. And then he comes and he says, oh, let me bless you. Many will fall and rise because of him and There'll be opposition, but Mary, it's going to feel like this. It's going to feel like a sword is being driven into your soul. Wow. Merry Christmas, huh? I don't know what I'd be thinking or how I'd be reacting. And then at the end, he says, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You'll know what people think about your Jesus. And then it shifts. The scene shifts. You get into verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years. I like, how the, I like how scripture always talks about the ladies who are old as being advanced in years. It's like the old, it's a man. Oh, he's ancient. The woman, she was advanced in years. Precious little old advanced in years lady. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84. She did, not apart, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Can you imagine if she's married around the average age, 12 to 14? Let's say 14. She's married for seven years. Husband dies. She lives the rest of her days as a widow. No kids. Doesn't mention any kids. As a widow. So she's probably poor. She's left to beg. Unless other people are coming to help her along. But she's a prophetess. And this isn't supposed to happen to God's people, right? I mean, maybe you've heard people preach that when you surrender to Jesus, everything is perfect. All of life is perfect, never a pain, never a problem. And then all of a sudden reality kicks in. And you'll get some false teachers, people who speak from horrible motives saying, you need to increase your faith. The reason you have bad things happen in your life because you don't have any faith. So increase your faith and you'll have a better life. And I sit there and go, what Bible do you read? Here's Anna, a prophetess. Lost her husband, maybe left to beg. And what does she decide to do? Worship God constantly. In fasting and in prayer. In the temple, day and night. See, when the crisis hits, friends, we can either depart from God or continue to worship God. You don't get to stay in the middle. It's one or the other. 
And for some of you, maybe the crisis happened. You say, Brian, you don't understand how big this was. And again, I've used this before. We could continue to try to compare with each other whose lives are the worst. The only problem is we've been doing it since kindergarten. So at some point, we got to get past the childish ways and decide what will we do in the crisis? Will I worship God with everything or depart from him? Do you realize that we have that choice? And what does she choose? I will, she says, I'm going to worship all the time. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. She wanted that relationship with God. She worshiped. Then watch what happens. Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon gets to see him. What does Anna take over doing? Starts telling everyone about him. And think about it, on the exact same day, here's Simeon showing up because the spirit puts it on him. Go to the temple. Here's Anna who's always there. And he says these things and maybe she's an earshot, comes over and looks and goes, yep, that's it. Starts telling everyone about the redemption that's here. The buying back. Oh, this is a big day. And I bet most people never even noticed it. Never even noticed it. Isn't it fitting that Anna, whose Hebrew name would be Hannah, Hannah meaning grace, isn't it fitting that the one whose name is grace would be the one proclaiming about the grace of God? He said, oh, that's a coincidence. That's why your faith is so boring. God doesn't believe in coincidence. He doesn't believe in them. Every tiny little detail, God says, I will work out. I will place things so that you see my fingerprints on all of these situations. If you would pull back, take a step back, take a breath and look for me in the details, we'll see the fingerprint of God on all of it. Or we'll be like the crowd where most of them never noticed the coming of God. So I was like, God, where do I go from here? And I feel like he said, go to Colossians. He said, I'll be honest, the whole week I kept sitting there going, God, I, I had the passage and then the whole time going, what do I say about the passage, God? I mean, I struggled. I, I had people praying, please. I don't know where I'm supposed to go with this. I just saw these little parts that were popping out that he had to be brought in. And Simeon gives this prophetic, these prophetic words and Anna starts to just spread it. But it all comes back to this baby that was born. Now picture Mary or Joseph holding Jesus, just holding him. Now picture these words that go outside of time being read, describing this little one that he, in Colossians chapter one, verse 15, he, this baby, he is the image of the invisible God. This little one that had to be brought into the temple. He is, when you're looking at Jesus, you're seeing God. Just let that sink in. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, by this little one, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be what? Preeminent. Preeminent. 
Not in addition to. Not after something. Well, I've got my spouse. I've got my life, my job, then my kids. Then I've got a hobby. And Jesus is right here. He is to be preeminent. Anything above him is idolatry. He's it. Our lives are to be consumed with him. Our lives are to be consumed with what he's called us to do with and by him. It's all about him. Nothing is in comparison to this relationship that we claim to have with Jesus. That he would be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to catch this. And through him to reconcile. That word in the original language means to bring back a former state of harmony. This is what it was. Then we broke it and God fixed it. To reconcile us. Goodness gracious. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by this little one, all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. And he has authority. And this little one holds all things together. To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. Take a breath. That's what comes with peace. No more striving to appease an angry God. No more be good or else. That when you surrender to Christ, you're saved completely by grace through faith. And that faith is given to us by God. That we could enter into a relationship with himself. So the things that we do is not so we can keep the salvation. It's just we get to love him back. I have peace with God. If you have a relationship with Jesus, he is for you. And he is in you and he will bring you through and he will take you into glory whenever that day is. But I'm telling you, he is not against you. Everything changed because of a baby. Everything Before I pray, just as a reminder, if you need prayer for anything, please, there are a group of people here just love to pray for you. They're right over there in the prayer room. My left, your right, here up in the balcony. Please, please join them. Oh. But I don't want us to walk away forgetting. Just remember this baby. He is the image of the invisible God. God right there in flesh. There's no point to Christmas if the baby never came. In fact, there would be no holiday without him. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Nothing else is needed, God. Just thank you. So to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. For you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of Christ's followers say, amen. Amen. Love you more than you know. We'll see you either tonight or next week. Have a great one.